Not Life. It's Bob Mr. Francis, Francis of Assisi. What is that shriveled uh, cannibal head you have on the back? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it, uh, I can confirm it's not a real human skull. Um, I can say that definitively. Well, it does look super like genuine, like that could almost it's, It was like actually, I, well, it's like I was saying to you before we came on, I've always liked the skull imagery. You know, I like the skull, I like a skull ring and the skull and crossbones and things like this. And I mean, obviously, skulls have become quite fashionable anyway in the last few years for clothes and so on and so forth but i picked that up pretty cheaply it was just something i found in a in a second hand shop but i've always so i've always liked the skull imagery and the reason i like it is because it's i don't want to start on an existential uh note before we even get into the bloody stream uh, everyone, we, loves, yeah. everyone loves them like, so that's what you mean that's every 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 stream you do every yeah. day is an existential <laughs> exactly exactly but i was saying johnny depp when he was asked why he wears skull rings, he said to the interviewer, the reason I wear a skull ring is because it reminds me that death is ever present and therefore I have to I have to live in the moment and I have to take over every opportunity that I can. So I kind of resonated with that. So that's that's kind of why I've always liked that imagery. I think it's a good way to think about life though, isn't it? This could all it end is. at any any moment. So get out there and you know, get out there and do it. It's that it's that process of momentum mori, isn't it? It'd be interesting to see actually, because that's obviously just come off like a random interview, but it'd be interesting to see how many how many kind of people in the public eye have actually kind of used that idea that the Greek and Romans held in their mind of look, you know, seize the fucking carpe diem because we're going to yeah. die one day. I wonder how many, how many guys that have actually made it to quite high level kind of resonate with that and have kind of mm. used that mentality to be like, fuck it. I'm going to boss this interview. I'm going to fucking apply for that thing. I think I'm going to get because who gives a shit? I'm a dead man walking. Yeah. So it's super interesting to do that. I know Russell Rand talks about bit about, I think one of the best, I'll pull it up now because it's one of the best quotes most funny quotes I've ever heard, but also very, very true. I think I've read it before, but it's worth rereading, um, which is just kind of, he was asked to pick up tips. Um, and he, they're kind of tongue-in-cheek, obviously, but uh, his his last one was, was kind of touching on it as well. I mean, he touched on the fact that we're all, we're all going to die, but he says, be confident, know what you are, know what you want, see the beauty in other people. It's alluring for women that the beauty is being appreciated, but don't be afraid of their beauty. We're all just lumps of nature wandering around waiting to die. So it'd be mm. interesting to know how many people kind of encompass that, that have got to kind of yeah. positions of power or fame, um, whether they kind of understand the concept of momentum mori or not, but they've got their own kind of version of it. Um, yeah. Well, that's it, actually something that's always fascinated me. When you look at people who've achieved great prominence in society and you think, well, what is it that they've got maybe that other people haven't got? And is it just greater drive? But but maybe there's maybe it's what you're saying. Maybe they've somehow instinctively they realize that actually time is very short so you've just got to go out there and smash it and obviously there you know there are certain sacrifices that need to be made and so on and so forth to, to get to that kind of level so so it's yeah fascinating, isn't it and i think I, i've no, i've not read the book um and i haven't really kind of heard detailed reviews from anyone that has but i guess i, I kind of guess that's what tim ferris tried to do in his book tools of titans where he kind of mm. extrapolates data from yeah. Of people and kind of tries to i guess standardize it and to be like right do that do that do that I, I, yeah. i've heard it's not a book you can just read straight through and you kind of have to dip in and out of so i'm not sure it's, yeah the practicality of it but. it's pretty big it's uh it's pretty it's pretty thick I, I haven't actually read it myself i've listened to various the podcasts he did about it and stuff like that and some of the interviews around it um did it seem but, legit the information or is it something you can yeah. you can standardize did that come up as a, as a topic or not really well, it certainly is. I, 
I believe it's certainly legit in the sense that he's spoken to a bunch of, you know, real high flyers and tried to backwards rationalise what it is that they've done. Where How effective it is for the average guy in the street if you just do the stuff that Bill Gates did, are you going to become a billionaire? It's, it's kind of hard to know, but I think it's definitely worth looking at because people always say, don't they, read biographies uh, or rather read, read biographies and autobiographies and look at what the people did and then sort of use that as a template. And I think there's got to be something in that, right? Because if you want to do something, you find somebody who has done it already and you kind of follow them. You know, you do what they did. So particularly for maybe, you know, you're not going to become an oil baron, right? You're not going to become the next Rockefeller. But yeah, particularly, I think the idea of, of getting a mentor or, or at least looking at someone who's in a position that you want to be in for yeah. whatever your given interest is. It's like, yeah, it's a no brainer. Kind of see what they did and figure out the steps they took to get there. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Because often sure. it's that kind of existential swirling doubt, isn't it? That prevents us from taking action. Whether yes. it's on a micro level, like approaching, or whether that's on a bigger kind of, I want to get that job, but how do I actually go about that? It's kind of that fear of the unknown. And we're going to yeah. touch on this as well. Just we thought, fuck it, let's grab some people's attention with the title, The Fear Barrier. But it's true. Like every everything that we, we don't do in life, it's some sort of, uh, it's some sort of fear or some sort of procrastination based around the unknown. Um, mm. That's why we don't do stuff that we want to do, and we we're we're, we're we're all guilty of this. Where we've talked about doing something for a long time, and then someone finally pipes up. Well, why haven't you fucking done it then? You've you've said this three or four times over the last year, and I've definitely been guilty of this before. I remember before I actually kind of left my corporate job and went travelling full time, flung myself into the, the quagmire of, of fuck. I didn't really have the financial resources to do it, but I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to put myself in that position and see what happens. And yeah, that off ground strategy of sink or swim. I was probably banging on about it for about eight months to people, not with the, I hadn't committed to the idea, but I was almost kind of sounding it out for myself, seeing it how, how, yeah. how it sat with me. But it got to the point where people were like, come on, man, stop talking about this. either fucking do it all the time. Yeah. So I was like, okay, okay, it's time to go. It's time to stop asking people for people's opinion. Yeah. Well, fear is really the biggest thing that holds us all back, isn't it? When you think about it, in so many areas in life, because I was the same as you with the corporate job and that side of things. And also with women as well, approaching women and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I was held back incredibly by fear as a younger guy, fear of rejection primarily. You know, what is it? What does it mean if this girl says no? What does that mean about me as a human being, my worth, et cetera, et cetera? And it's a good point, though, isn't it? Because Krauser touched on this. And what he really says approach anxiety is, is, is self-assessment, self-assessment anxiety. It's like mm. you don't feel good enough for that girl. That's why you don't approach it. Because if you felt good enough or good enough in yourself, you wouldn't give a fuck we you know what the reaction is. You'd yeah. walk up to Victoria's Secrets model. If she said no, you'd laugh about it immediately. Or you'd be yeah. like, hey, fuck, I'm worthy of this girl. But it's that kind of, it's when we're not, we haven't got our fucking, uh, our own, our own inner ducks fully in a row, I think. Then yeah. we fear what people think. We fear that rejection. And you can, you can bang on about it all you want about, oh yeah, we're in a tribe and some dude, like if you got rejected, smashed a rock over your head because you weren't mm. worthy and, blah, 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 or you smash a rock on your head for trying it on with this chick. But it, is it really that, or is it really just we're fucking, we don't like to be rejected as human beings because we're built to be social animals? I, I don't know. I mean, there's kind of yeah. every which why about why we kind of feel that. But you're right. Everything, especially with women, it's on the other side of that fear. You know, we're, we're held back. Yeah. Fear, we? yeah. And sometimes the way around it is just to think literally, as crude as it sounds, is literally just to think, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do it anyway and see what happens. Sometimes it's just having that cavalier attitude, isn't it, that propels you forward. Um, particularly with approaching as well, you can also take the view of, well, I'm just going to do this thing 
just for the story. I'm going to do this thing just because, you know, Tyler talked about this, didn't he? Who the hell would have the balls to do that? You know? So, you, you know, there's this beautiful model-esque girl who walks through the bar and everybody's looking at her going, oh my God, and you run up to her and have a conversation with her. And whether she rejects you or not, it's almost immaterial because the point is who would have had the balls to do that? Nobody else did and I had the balls to do it. So sometimes you can just, you can use these like mental models to sort of push yourself into action um, in spite of the fear. I think definitely, I think it's it's being aware of it and acting anyway, isn't it? Being consciously aware and almost being like, you could, people can go out from this, from today and be like, oh, because I'm thinking about that, they see that hot girl and they're like, oh, I remember Tosk and Troy banging on about that. I'm going to do yeah. it anyway. But yeah, yeah, it's like, I mean, the, there's a book, I think, I haven't read it, uh, Silver Fox, one of my coaches in Columbia, yeah. recommends it highly and it's called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Which I, I have read that, yeah. Oh, you have? Okay. Is that kind of yeah. exactly as it sounds? Well, it, it, it kind of is. I read it quite a long time ago now, so I don't remember it in huge detail. But it's one of those books where, to be honest, basically the title <laughs> it tells you the whole thing. You could almost just read the title. And I've always found it to be great advice, actually. Because my experience was, because I was partying and, and drinking, And that was such a strong drink that you frozen time on my screen. <laughs> Mr. Francis, no. Are we back? Are we back? Yes, you're back. You're back. You um, froze it. You froze at a brilliant moment. But yeah, carry yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my confidence was shot to pieces in my late twenties when right. I started to come out of that. Because even though, yeah, drink and, and naughty substances give you sort of Dutch courage in the moment. In my experience, when you're coming down off of that stuff, it also then you're sitting there in the existential void, like, oh my God, my confidence was shot to pieces. So I couldn't do anything. I couldn't really socialize effectively. I couldn't approach, you know, approach girls. I also couldn't do some of the stuff that I wanted to do in, in my career, in other parts of my life. Like I was in a job I didn't like, but I didn't have the confidence to apply for a better job. I wanted to write. I didn't have the confidence to do that because I thought it'll be shit and people won't like it and whatever. So trying to come out of that, I read a few like self-help books and things like this. And that was one of them, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And immediately, just the, the idea really resonated with me. Just this idea of, so, okay, I, I feel afraid, but I can, I can just act anyway. And that is, it's a very simple concept, but it's, it's kind of revolutionary, or it was for me. Yeah. It's, it's I, this whole thing about your feelings. You talk about this a lot, don't you? Your feelings rarely tell you the right thing to do and you have to act in spite of your feelings sometimes yeah i think that's a brilliant way to look at it i actually had a couple of um where was it yeah i had a couple of quotes lined up which were pretty good about fear um this is a good one from dale carnegie and i thought this is appropriate because a lot of guys read his book as kind of a it's like doing stand-up isn't it with with yeah. when you're starting to learn day game you kind of do you, you look to do stuff that sits alongside day game so stand up or toastmasters a lot of people read that his book um, is is it something something influence people? Um, yeah, uh, how to win friends and influence. How to people. win friends and influence people. So that's that's good because it's actually talking about you know being being more charismatic and learning, I guess, social skills. And he the quote from him is, "Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy." So he's inadvertently yeah. telling people to go out and, and practice social skills. Whether yeah, he knows it yeah. or not, we're ripping him 
50, 70 years later, and, and probably he didn't yeah. anticipate to end up on our, you know, as, as the topic of our live stream and our, us misquoting him. But yeah, the point stands, right? A lot of fear stems from from lack of, of lack of socialising or, or or knowing that you should go and speak to that hot girl and not doing it anyway. I mean, I'm, you can you can extrapolate it out as well. I remember for me, one of the big things was actually travelling on my own. I found that the idea of that super scary because I was like, fuck, when I get there. I was, I was, you know, used to go out and, and approach with wings and stuff. And it's like, when yeah. I get there, I'm, I'm all on my own. And it yeah. happened. I flew into Macedonia, flew into Skopje. And I was, it was pissing it down. It was like this, you know, look, I stayed accidentally in a, quite a shit part of the city. So it was these gray kind of horrible looking <laughs> buildings. Yeah. Pouring with rain, cold. It was like late September. And I was looking out the window, like one of these sad dogs. Just like, <laughs> I don't want to go outside. But lo and behold, I forced myself out the front door, no umbrella, getting pissed down, feeling a bit sorry for myself. Walked past the bus stop. There's a hot girl there. She gave me the eye. I went straight back in, started talking to her, instant date. And then within yeah. you know, 15 minutes, I find myself sheltered under a thing, being like, fucking hell. God, that changed, didn't it? And and yeah. the way it can just flip like that is 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 crazy. Um Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Did you ever feel intimidated a bit by some of the countries that you were going to? Like if a place had a reputation for being a bit dangerous or any of that stuff, you know, are the police going to pick me up at the airport for smuggling or so, you know, like all the kind of crazy fantasies that people have about travel. Did that ever play into it? Mm, not so much, actually. I kind of saw that as more of an adventure, almost putting myself in harm's way. I found that quite, yeah. quite entertaining. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was more about, I think, just traveling on my own, the fear of abject loneliness. Just being like, fuck, I can't yeah. deal with my own company. I think we both resonate with the fact that through both periods, we can go into this in a different, a very existential podcast one day. We can spend a few yeah. hours over a couple of coffees. But yeah, one of the big things for me, and I think, you know, I don't, I don't speak for you here. Feel free to chip in with your own thoughts on it. But a lot of my life has been spent, you know, elements of kind of, you know, there have been elements of low self-esteem, self-loathing mm. in there. And, and it wrapped up in that as kind of a fear of being on your own because you don't like your own company, essentially, right? Yeah. So you can't mask it with being around people. So I think on a kind of a deep, uh, intrinsic level, part of it stems from just, you know, kind of not, you know, looking in the mirror and not liking what I see. And then yeah. that extrapolates out as fear of, of being on your own. I think that's why we probably get into things like socializing, taking drugs, maybe to a yeah. day game because we just hate our own company. And you yeah. have to be like, fuck, I've got to mask it with shit, right? And then you do yeah. a phase of going on dates, you're, you're banging women, but you're still deep down a pretty lonely guy. And that mm. that that kind of journey where you have to unearth that that stuff with inside you is not an easy thing to do. You have yeah. to be incredibly vulnerable to it, and it's an ongoing process for me. I'm basically pretty good, but you know there are still times where I'm like, you know, I, I just don't like myself, right? So it's like that's the major fear of being on your own and actually fearing fearing yourself. I think disliking yeah. yourself, right? I don't know if you've got yeah. with that at all. No, definitely. And like you say, it's a it's an ongoing thing because what happens for me, like for example, when I came back from Berlin like last week, I was I was kind of on a high because it was just nice to have got out of London. It was nice to have gone somewhere else. I had quite a cool time there and everything. Came back, I'm in a really great mood. It's like, yeah, you know, this is all cool. And then I'm back here for a few days. <laughs> not to not to do down London or anything, because it is opening up now and it's uh, it's all cool. But um just starting to go back into the normality of day-to-day -day life and i started to you know my mood starts to dip a little bit and then you start to think oh and then you almost reach out for things to do to to fill that void so it's like oh well will i go and hang out with this girl and maybe that's not the greatest idea for various reasons but i just you know i need something to fill that space and in previous previously that could be very destructive because what right. do you look for when well, you look for drugs you look for 
you know, stuff that maybe is not going to serve you very well. Um, but even now for me, you know, I'll, I'll get myself sometimes into situations that perhaps I shouldn't have got into, you know, like I'll be in a, get into a relationship with somebody that goes on for too long because it's, and, and it all comes down to that same thing. It's like, you've got to be okay with just sitting with yourself and just sometimes, and, and just, you know, and how you get to that point could probably takes a lifetime to learn, to be honest. I think, I think it's just something that you need to just be aware of and just, just work on in various different ways. Right. Yeah, and I think Mark Manson talks about it in his book, where he goes, the only real dating advice you can have is self-improvement. And, yeah. and that's, that's linked in with actually just seeing yourself in a good light, being on your own side. Um, you know, a lot of guys yeah. do this because they don't fundamentally like the life they're living, i.e. their reality sucks. They think, what, oh, we're going to solve that problem. And or they don't like themselves. And, and yeah. the term for that is pour in a game, bro. Yeah. yeah well, this is what... Yeah, well, that, this is why things like like meditation and stuff like that, which I, I don't do enough, I have to confess. I do do it sometimes. I don't do it enough. But that's why things like meditation, I think, are so important because they help you just to sit with yourself, right, for periods of time. And that, I think, for me, is what I find very difficult sometimes, which is why yeah. you then go out and search for things to entertain you, to fill the void, whatever, however you want to put it. And actually taking taking real control over your existence. Like the, the reason I've, I kind of recommend this this. Jordan peace and self-authoring thing where you map out costs like 30 bucks yeah. online, but you map out exactly what you want in the future and then reverse engineer it. Most of us yeah. have never done that. Um, is because it's a very effective way of actually kind of taking the reins on your own life and figuring out what you want. I've managed to having download that, I've managed to avoid doing it for the last six weeks because there's always something else to do instead, right? Yeah. For that little kind of gratification pleasure here. And that's why watching guys watching this will resonate with us. That's why flicking between different little dog videos, charging around monkeys on their back is so satisfying over than over that actually kind of taking taking control of things and thinking, right, on a deep intrinsic level, what do I need to fix to really yeah. kind of amp up my happiness? Because no one wants to do it, right? It's it's it's, yeah. it's it's kind of ripping out off scabs and there's these raw kind of emotional sores underneath. Yeah. Um, it's easy to kind of put your head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend nothing's happening and, oh, it's yeah. all good, baby. But it's not all good, right? It takes fucking balls to do that. To kind of look, in, look deep within inside and figure out, right, what do I actually need to conquer within my own soul to yeah. live, live a life on my own terms? And there's no yeah. guide for that, really. I mean, it's just of the blind leading blind a lot of the time. Yeah, of course, the other side of the equation, though, is that we are, like we said, we are social animals, right? And we are, you know, we do want to be around other people. And um, in some ways, doing the kind of stuff that you've done is relatively unusual, you know, we, we, we are doing something and we're enabled to do it because of the technology and relatively cheap flights and the Internet and all of this stuff. But the idea of sort of charging around the world and going to these different locations as, as sort of doing solo trips and things, it's reasonably. I mean, obviously, you could say Casanova and people, but it, it's kind of it's, it's it's something relatively new, isn't it? And I don't know if we're completely ready for this in some ways as a species, right? <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. I mean, I've, and this, I think, is why sometimes you get players who do sometimes suffer from these like existential doubts and things because they're doing something actually that most people aren't doing. Cause let's be honest. I mean, most people, you know, they go to university, they meet a girl, they kind of get engaged and they go down that route. Like most people are still doing that. So we're attempting to do something that is actually quite different to that. And it, it kind of, you know, it, it's, it's not a small thing. Yeah. And I've actually had some of the, I'd say in the last few years of, of doing this, trying to traveling and, uh, Obviously, then spending time, you know, my ideal situation, I guess, is where I've got, say, you or Les or a couple yeah. of the other lads that I get on with. There's a group of about six or seven who are all putting out content together. 
um the ideal for me is i i'm staying on my own in a place but you yeah. know these guys are in the city so you have that nice combination between kind of going out solo but also you can call call, call a guy up for you know meet up do some game with him or whatever um but actually what i've started to do over the last few years is really kind of start to enjoy my own company which mm. wasn't the case before because i grew up with three yeah. young brothers obviously you know these feelings of of inadequacy or low self-esteem or self-loathing um they kind of cloud that and just and an inability to be on my own was kind of um I guess was manifested through me being a super sociable guy with lots of friends. Cause basically I just desperately didn't want to be on my own. Cause I felt this abject loneliness, but I've actually mm. started to come to terms with that. I've started to enjoy my, my own time and my own company, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's some of the, the best and worst times I've had over the last few years have been when I've been sat on my own in a foreign city. Yeah. You have this, you have this mix of this kind of uh, hedonistic Elysium of, you know, you are exactly as you say doing stuff that on an evolutionary level almost was impossible to to, to people before air travel and you're going <clears> around and you're, you're doing exactly what you want and it's a lot of fun versus you're completely on your own and people are living mm. a very very different life to you you're in the very small minority of guys who are you know my age doing this and and people you know you get that cu- kind of crushing weight of societal expectation being like is this really the right thing to be doing should i be being yeah. responsible in my time so yeah. it's, it's a mix, but I think it comes down to just on a personal level, what do you enjoy? And as I said before, the best, like, I think some of the best four, you know, experiences I've ever had on planet Earth um, have been done in the last four years rather than the previous 30 before that. So, yeah. I mean, for me, it's definitely a lifestyle I'd, I'd like to propagate. I think traveling on, on a slightly non-micro level, a bigger, slightly bigger version of that, traveling on your own, picking out places you want to you go and then traveling on your own and actually approaching cold approach and dating on your own terms is one of the scariest things initially that you can do, but actually one of the most rewarding and cool things you can do as well, especially mm. as a man. I think it's different if you're a woman. I think as a man, we're built to try and um, chase after success. We're built to forge mm. our, own, our own pathways and our own mission and journey. And I yeah. think you've got to look at it as you're almost your own hero's journey. There's a book by Joseph Campbell, which is fairly overly complicated from, from my yeah. interpretation called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. But the main thing to take from that is that idea of a hero's journey. And yeah. Like, yeah, leave your house and you, you fuck off on a plane one day and it's just like, where's the wind going to take me? And yeah. There's something, there's something kind of beautifully poetic about it. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's brilliant. And all I can say is bring on more traveling because I'm starting mm-hmm. to get to the point now where I'm starting to really enjoy that process, um, actually find a routine with it as well. So it's not just go away and smash it up. It's actually, you know, wake up and I've got certain things in place, like hit the gym, you know, study Brazilian Portuguese, do a live stream or do some work, get on some sales calls. So it's starting to kind of come together. It takes time. I'd say one of the biggest, yeah. the hardest things on the road for the last few years has been that self-discipline, self-management. Yeah. But that comes with time and repetition. Yeah, because it can be hard initially, can't it, to sort of keep keep up your routine because you get in late, you know, you arrive at the place where you're staying, maybe you're tired the next day after the flight, whatever, but you've got to sort of just keep in that, in that same routine, haven't you? Or, or keep the routine as much as you can. Yeah. It, re- it requires some form of someone's getting uh, arrested. <laughs> some, yeah. some form, but welcome, but welcome back to Deptford. It requires <laughs> some form of advanced planning for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. There is actually a female version of this, uh, just incidentally, because I met a girl, I kind of knew her a little bit, a girl who has a really successful solo female travel blog. And I say really successful. I mean, she's got over 100,000 subscribers on, followers on Instagram and load on YouTube and stuff like that. And she talks about this actually from the female perspective, going around doing solo female travel, which is cool, you know, great for her and great for women who want to do that. But 
I think that it is still somewhat different for a guy because I think a guy, you've got that sort of almost like conquering kind of aspect to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That perhaps I like women could still do it and enjoy it, but I, I think probably what you're saying, the the, the sort of the, the way in which you go about it is probably a bit different as a guy. Yeah. What's her out of interest? What's How does she come across? Does she come across a bit of a lone wolf or is she... Like what's her um, type? She well, I don't. I, I think she probably was, as far as I, I, I know. Um, I think she's in a relationship with somebody now, um, and, and she's kind of maybe on the road with him or doing whatever. I think she just wanted to tr prove the point, maybe because obviously a lot of women, the idea of traveling solo is is perhaps even more intimidating for women than it is for guys. For, for Absolutely. Various, you, but you know, actually, actually from, from, from traveling around the last few years and meeting actually a lot of solo female travelers, mm. it kind of almost, I was kind of almost like, fucking hell, like more men need to see this because they're sitting at home going, oh, Tusk, I can't travel. I've got no one to go with. I'm thinking, fucking hell, there's this young, like, beautiful Russian girl just on her own, couldn't give her monkeys. It's like, fuck yeah. me. Men need to fucking well, man up a bit. Like, if, yeah. she's doing it, if Olga from fucking, you know, 21 on your own with no fear is prowling around Budvar, you uh, guys need to be doing this as well. Like, yeah. it's not really an excuse, is there? Well, that, that was the thing. I mean, looking at her stuff, I thought it was quite inspiring because she's been to some pretty, you know, some some pretty out there places uh, on her own as a woman. And, you know, you kind of think, well, and, and, you know, and seeing that, it, it, it does show you that the the world is not the scary place that sometimes people perhaps think it is. No, I agree. And um, we live... <laughs> well, maybe, unless you're Mark Zollo, maybe that's, you know... Yeah, I mean, he seems to have lived a charm life in the sense that he's kind of... Uh... He's escaped without any kind of major repercussions, hasn't he? Um, mm. Going to pretty hairy places, almost hiding in plain sight, putting yourself so blatantly in danger that you get away with it. Whereas yeah. it tends to be if you if you try and escape from danger, you, you feel the fear. One thing that did help me uh, traveling was obviously I've gone through periods of, of learning Muay Thai before, um, not to any high degree, but enough to kind of feel like I can handle myself to some degree mm. and boxing as well. Yeah. And I think that, um for sure helps like because mm. you, you know you, you walk into somewhere and you know you can kind of handle yourself i haven't done anything of that nature for a good three years now so my plan is come november head off to thailand and, and spend a good six weeks in a you know one-on-one -on -one just just yeah re retraining those skills but having is that it reasonably affordable there then to do very like, affordable i mean we could go mm. to say Koh Samui, beautiful island in thailand which is you know paradise stay somewhere like a, almost a five-star resort for probably the equivalent of 30 pounds a day Right. Um, and you, we could we could get a one-on-one -on -one trainer and probably pay him for two three hours a day, like twenty quid each. Right. Yeah. And you know you could do that for say, you know you could do a really intense like monthly thing, like where we just train with them every day, and you you get up to a fucking decent level very very quickly. Um, I tend to find that when I do stuff like that, one-on-one -on -one training is best because obviously they work. You know, you can go to the guy and just like being like, yeah. like off, off script. What can you do me? What's the best price? I'm going to work with you for five weeks every fucking day. And he'll come up with something good. Um, yeah. Boot camp style. It's good to be like pretending you're in karate kid, like training for in the dojo. But in the reality, the reality of it is there's 10 people to one trainer. You're not getting the attention you need. So if you're mm -hmm. going to any guys watching this that want to learn a fighting self, find a trainer, go one on one with them all day long. Set yourself a goal as well. It could be a fake goal that you're going to enter a fight in three months. Um, you don't have to actually follow that through, but you could have that as the thing. Like, I'm not going to get in the, I don't want to get in the ring and A, get embarrassed in front of a crowd or B, getting the shit kicked out of me. Hmm. So have that goal um, or that strong reason why, that, that Nietzsche-esque why, um, and just fucking show up. And, and that's yeah. the best way to do it, in my opinion. But yeah, yeah. That, that's my plan. 
um, early mm. November, late October. Actually, after Day of the Dead in October in, in Oaxaca, yeah, I'll, I'll head off to um, to, to yeah. spend yeah, some time. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Nice. We've got a question about Russia, which is actually topical because we are going to be spending July in Mother Russia. You've got your visa, which is your 12-month for £700 unlimited entry visa to Russia. Yes, I have, yes. And I'm waiting for that to come in the post. I've applied for it. So for guys that are looking to come and join us, because me and Troy are going to be running programs in Moscow in July, uh, Sochi, which is obviously the Russian Ibiza and, and St. Petersburg, and maybe just charging around doing some other stuff as well. What, what you know, for, the, for a guy that does need a visa, is it a lengthy process? What do they need to be doing? Do they need to be looking to get it done now? Or what would Well, you so there's various different options. And just talking from a uh, UK perspective for a moment. So for anybody who's watching this from the UK, it's going to be different in different countries. The process could be different. So the, the the key thing, first of all, is to say. Did we go a bit there? Yeah, just the last. And and again, it's going to be perfect, poetic timing right now. We're, now we're back. Yeah, good Sorry, stuff. I was just saying, okay, so look, anybody, regardless of where you are, start looking into the visa process now if you're thinking of coming over to Russia with us in July. And you should come over in July because it's going to be absolutely awesome, beautiful weather, beautiful women, et cetera, et cetera. So start looking at it now. If you're in the UK, then you've got a few options. And the easiest option to dip your toe into the water is to get a tourist visa, okay? Right. And you can get a tourist visa that I believe it lasts for a month. And you can enter Russia one time. So effectively, it's like one trip to Moscow and then stay for a couple of weeks, come back. Um, and that actually, because I the first time I went to Russia, uh, well, actually, it was the second time I went to Russia on my own. I got a tourist visa because, and this is a true story, I was in, the, I was in an airport in Zurich. I was in the airport in Zurich. And I met this really cute Russian girl. I did, I did a day game. Uh, stop on this cute Russian girl. Got chatting to her. Got her phone number. Blah blah blah. We decided to meet up. So I said, oh, "Okay, okay, sorry, I'll come to St. Petersburg." And I got the visa. I turned the visa around really quickly. I turned it right. around within about a week or something. But this is the thing, right? In order to get a Russian visa from the UK, there are a few things you need to do. You need to fill in a long form. You need to give them your fingerprints at some point. So you need to go into a tourist visa center. And you also need to send off your passport and get it sent back. And they put the visa into the passport. So depending on how much money you want to spend, um, you can get that done more quickly. So you can get it turned around very quickly for a tourist visa. But in order to sort of save money, it's probably better to leave a little bit more time so you can get it get it back very quickly. Uh, sorry, so you can get it back. Sort of, it's going to take slightly longer, but you pay less towards it. OK, so and then there's different options from there. You can go up and I think you can get a visa where you can enter two times uh, right. and maybe that lasts for a bit longer. Uh, and then you can get a business visa, which is what, what we're talking about, what, what we've got or what we're getting. And those last for 12 months. And again, you can turn those around, even those reasonably quickly, but you're going to have to pay a bit more to expedite the process. So the key thing really is to start looking at it now. I'm making it perhaps sound more complicated than it is because if you go to uh, a, a Russian visa place, they will sort it all out for you very, you know, make it very straightforward. Uh, but it is just something to, you need to sort of have a look at just to make sure that your timings are going to be right. Now for, for different countries, the story is going to be different because you were just saying, 
South Africa. Apparently, those guys don't even don't even need a visa to go. I think in. Brazil as well. If you, I mean, I'm not probably that not that you guys are going to be coming anywhere anytime soon. Brazilians watching this, but yeah, I, I know that Les has never had a issue getting into Russia visa wise. Yeah. straight in with a South African passport. Um, I'm not sure. I think you know, uh, people will have to check their individual kind of entry requirements. But I think the thing to think about, just relating it back to fear as well, is is obviously, well, not obviously, for, for guys watching, you may have some semblance of an idea that former Soviet Union women tend to be some of the hottest in the world. In fact, I'd say Russian women, alongside probably Venezuelans, are, I'd say they're the top two nations, right, in terms of beauty, most beauty queens of all time from Venezuela. A lot of absolute stunners come from Russia. I mean, the, the, it's just crazy yeah. because the men seem to be getting fatter and bolder and more hairy as time goes on, and the women just are ever more beautiful. The, the strength of the female genes is just insane. Um, so for, for, for a lot of guys, Russia is kind of this place, this kind of weird place where they'll meet some Russians in, in maybe Turkey or Thailand, and they'll be like, fucking hell, Russian women. But they never think to go to the source, which is obviously fly over to Russia. Russia, we can confirm, has some absolute stunners. I think the big fear for a lot of guys is, A, lack, again, lack of knowledge, getting a visa sorted, and B, kind of fear around, okay, I don't speak Russian. Um, I don't know where to go. It seems like a big, scary place. Is it dangerous? Blah, blah, blah. And so if you are interested in Russia as a place at all, use the fact that me and Mr. Francis will be there for the whole of July to come and you know leverage the knowledge we have of the place. Um, yeah. And and come and smash it with us, you know, because we'll yeah. guide you around. We streamline the process. We give you all you need to know. We tell you where to stay. We tell you how to approach Russian girls, how you need to be a bit more dominant, how you need to be leading, what to talk about on dates. We can teach you all this stuff so you don't have to kind of second guess it yourself and you're not going on your own. So it's not super scary because a lot of guys, yeah, I wouldn't recommend Russia on your own as maybe a first or second trip. It, it can be a bit, you know, full on. The culture is a bit cold. Um, mm. We don't speak Russian, but we know enough about the dating culture to be able to teach you what to be doing and what to expect from it. But again, if you're going on your own, it might be a stretch too far. Yeah. So recently I heard as well, and please look into this because uh, obviously individual countries where you're based is going to differ. But I believe that Russia's made it somewhat easier for uh, certainly EU citizens to, to get in and they've got an online visa application process. And I, I have to say... When I saw that, particularly because Britain's not on the list, because they're probably a little bit frosty towards Britain, so we still have to jump through <laughs> various um, administrative hoops to get in, which is fine. But um, I, I, I saw that, and my first thought wasn't, oh, that's great. My first thought was a little bit selfishly like, oh, that's a bit of a shame. Because, right, there is actually an advantage to the fact that this is a slightly trickier place to get in. Massively. It's not like just getting. It's not just like getting on the plane to Magaluf, right? Um, which is very straightforward and easy for 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 most certainly most people in Europe. This it is. There is a slightly higher barrier to entry to go into Russia, but that's actually a good thing because what it means is you don't have a lot of the nonsense that you've got in places like Poland or Budapest, where you've got like stag do's and like bunches of like whoa, you know, kind of thing. It's it because there's that slightly higher barrier to entry. It means that you're a little bit more of a rarity when you go there. It's a little bit more sort of – and it's a little bit more untouched than some other places, which I think is a good thing, right? Massively. Um, you do have that kind of sexual market economics of the fact that most guys don't have the resilience or the kind of um, – the, the willpower to get around getting a visa even because we yeah. have a society of, of instant gratification and people are like, oh, that seems like an effort. Fuck it. I won't bother with that. Yeah. In fact, to be fair, the time that I went, 
was actually I snuck in bar a loophole from uh, they had the European Games in Minsk and they had this kind of visa three loophole. If you had a ticket for games, you could transit through Russia, but I just stayed in Russia. And now, so isn't that was- isn't that the case? We also need to look into this actually because isn't that the case um, this year as well? We should look into this and then we'll we'll talk, maybe talk about it in another stream, but. Um... I, think. I, be- I believe it was if you can get a ticket to the to one of the matches, but yes. I mean the best I got was a ticket to a fucking Armenian uh, a match in Armenia, and that didn't cover entry to Russia. Okay. So I, you know maybe I'll go to Armenia anyway. I mean to be honest, I'm, I'm quite up for just exploring. If we if we go to Moscow, St Petersburg, and Sochi, kind of the early part, half of July or, or up to July. I mean early part of August, I'm up for just kind of exploring rounds other spots. We've got a contact on the grounds, John, who. Um, who seems to know everything about, you know, former Soviet Union. He's traveled extensively, so we could just take his recommendations and fuck off to somewhere random. I'm quite entranced by the idea of going off to Siberia um, and spending some time up there. I think it'd be quite cool. Again, just novelty factor, right? And if we've got this small DJI camera, it'd be cool to just get some footage on there and just kind of, (laughs) I mean, people love watching that. Yeah, absolutely. But even outside of uh, Russia, places like Armenia, right, I'm r- interested to go to. I'd like yeah. to go to Albania as well. I think it's cool to go to places off the beaten track, you know, because Prague is, for example, amazing place, wonderful, pretty beautiful women, all the rest of it. But let's face it, it's a it's a tourist trap. Do you know what I mean? And it's nice to go to these places that are a little, a little bit more untouched, a little bit less known, you know. Agreed, agreed. Um, but, so, but, then, but there sorry. again, sorry, with it, but within Russia itself, obviously you've got the you've got the two main big cities. Then you've got Sochi, but I mean, there's other places as well. Like there's Kazan, isn't there? I've never been there. Apparently, that's a kind of interesting place. I mean, there's it's, other. It's, it's a vast country. At mm, the end of the day, mm. we could just play fucking Russian roulette, literally, with <laughs> yes. and just throw it on a map of Russia and just it hits a city, and we just randomly go off there, and we're going to have a blast. I think any, anywhere yeah. we go, we're going to have some fun. Um, but just to recap, so if guys are looking to get the one-time entry visa, that allows them to say for how long? One month, did you say? Uh, I believe it's a month, yes. And how much does that cost off the top of your head, roughly? Uh, I don't know. I can try Google it. If yeah, like. fuck it. Well, just give, give, give guys some idea of the costs and stuff. Again, we're going to run boot camps, myself and Troy, boot camps in Moscow, St. Petersburg, and Sochi. For those guys interested, get in touch. We'll leave the email addresses below. Um email myself or Troy and then in between that if that doesn't fit your itinerary you're more than welcome just to come and join us for a few days something new I've started is basically telling guys where I'm going to be and we we agree a fee and you just come in and, and basically just join me and, and do what I do for for three four days live that lifestyle so that's something I'm trialing a bit just to kind of jump in and, and see what it's all about and some guys kind of resonate more with that because it's a bit more low pressure than a boot camp so that's something to consider as well while Troy is finding that, I will answer some questions. NPC says, I moved to London five years ago, so I get the loneliness aspect. I spend a lot of time alone when I'm not working. Yeah, exactly. You've got to get out and, and, and start approaching, right, and make that happen. Um, there's a lot of technical questions here, but I want to base it more around kind of existential. What are your must-read books? Um, Laws of Human Nature is very good, Robert Green. I know Troy will say... Uh, the Art of Seduction by Robert Green, and also Forty yeah. Hours of Power by Robert Green. Basically, anything by Robert Green is pretty good. Um, Game-wise, I mean, I'm a big fan of Mark Manson models. Obviously, Troy's stuff. Um, I mean, there's what else have I read? A Billion Wicked Thoughts. That's an interesting book I read recently about big scale, big and big data analysis of the porn industry. What people actually like to watch, men and women. Very, very fascinating. Not what you'd expect actually a lot of the time. 
Troy, when will the new course start? I can't find the the payment page. Is it enrollment only for now? It's enrollment. Yes, it's enrollment only for now. So it opens um, in about, well, it's about eight days uh, on the 27th of May. And it's called Dating Conversation Success. And it's basically a bunch of demos um, of me demonstrating, you know, conversation with attractive ladies and um, but also loads of supplementary material as well, telling you exactly how to structure a conversation that, that's actually going to be effective, you know. So it's not just going in and having a chat. It's like, OK, so what are the basic structures of a going in there, talking to her and getting a result out of it at the end without running out of things to say, without those horrible, awkward silences and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's coming out on the 27th. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. OK, cool. Um, what's yeah? Do you manage to fight rustle up the price there? Uh, I found one thing that it says um, it's one hundred and sixty dollars without um, admin. So there might well, be some pretty, additional... pretty pretty reasonable. Yeah, dollars about one hundred and thirty pounds. I mean, that's yeah. really not bad to, to yeah. know that you've got access to you know some of the best looking women in the world. It's yeah, it's definitely worth doing. And I would say for me, um, when I as I say, I went with a friend who was actually going on a business trip. So that was the first time I went. Right. And then the second time I went because um when I went to St. Petersburg to to meet up with that girl. And that time I just got a tourist visa and it was a month entry, went to St. Petersburg, met up with that girl. It actually didn't particularly go well with her. Um, but I then stayed in the city for about a week after that and carried and just met some other girls and stuff like that. It was a it was a blast. It was awesome. And then after that, I was kind of hooked on Russia. So I then um, I then looked into the, getting a longer term visa uh, with the view to sort of going back and spending a bit more time there. So it's definitely worth put, stepping your toe into the water and getting a tourist visa and just going there short term and coming and meeting us and, you know, going out with us and everything. Because once you go and you realize, actually, this is a really cool place. The girls are beautiful. There's culturally, it's really interesting. Um, it's, you know, you will, it will open your eyes. And I, I suspect that you'll want to be back. It's the yeah, quality's through the roof. And a surprising amount of people actually in St. Petersburg that I met spoke English. Because again, Russians aren't you know, they're not stupid. A lot of them do like to travel outside of Russia. And they, you know, most people most people realise that most countries are not going to speak Russian, right? Obviously yeah. for the Soviet Union, but when they go off to Thailand, when they go off to the US, other places, they don't, you know, they, they're well aware that people don't speak Russian. So that they, you know, it's easier for them to learn basic level English than it is for most people to learn Russian. Um, most educated people anywhere you go in the world, we're very lucky in the sense that English is the, the language to know. So you will meet a surprising amount of women there, especially in St. Petersburg, from my experience, that do speak good good English, um, that also want to practice their English with you and um, that are attracted to, you know, the Anglosphere, people from the UK, people from the US, people from Australia, people from other countries. Because, again, basic sexual market economics, when you have a scarcity of a certain, you know, country in another country you are that shiny asset right you are that yeah. kind of, uh, thing to have that novelty for us to go on a date with to tell our friends about so yeah we're ticking that box yeah there is also the issue of the population as well and there are i mean i, I i'd have to check the recent figures but um there are basically more women in 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 russia and in these former soviet union countries than men so there's just that advantage as well in the sense that there's just more women there and um there's always a stereotype and i don't think it's like all stereotypes i don't it's not entirely true but there is this stereotype about uh how the local guys there are don't necessarily look after themselves so well i mean i was talking to a girl about this last week actually and she was saying 
she said men over there are spoiled because there's more women, so there's less competition. And the guys kind of don't have to look after themselves as much because they know they're going to end up with a, a, a nice girlfriend anyway. So if you've got a little bit about you when you, you go there, then you're going to be in a very good position. Obviously, that's not universally true. Of course, there are, you know, well put together, you know, uh, giga chad Russian dudes as well. No, no doubt about that. But just in general, um, if you're a foreigner and you're pretty well put together, it does put you in a good position. I agree. And um, and to answer Justice's question, how many men do you think approach girls on the street? I mean, very few, to be honest. I didn't see anyone else when I was in Moscow and St. Petersburg, apart from the guys I was with, actually street approaching doing day game. I didn't even see anyone approaching in bars, full stop. The men really? seem to be pretty lackadaisical, a bit like you know when I've been to Serbia, where they're just kind of chilling and they don't give a fuck. A lot of them will tend to settle down, from my experience, of talking to some guys out there with a girl they met at school or uni or college, and they don't. Unless they're like a promoter or they're in connects in political circles, they don't tend to date around that much from my experience. Mm. Um, again, mm. you know, stand, I stand to be corrected here. If there's any Russian guys watching this, please correct me. If you're watching this, probably you are dating around because you're watching a fucking day game and dating channel. Um, but yeah, that was my experience with it. Is, is guys are quite lazy, as you said. They're quite, I guess, self-entitled because they're just like, there's loads of hot girls. Fuck it, I'll just chill. I can't be asked. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, of course, for them as well. They are somewhat desensitized to beauty because if it's all around you, then you're it's, it's just less of a big thing, right? So, so yeah, you know they they are less bothered, it seems, and um, obviously that's good for for everybody else. That's something to to actually consider, isn't it? As well, that when you do get there, you will be blown away by the quality, um, and maybe not so much in Petersburg. There's, there's some very good looking women, but definitely Moscow. Some some places you'll go to. Um, you know, you'll walk into a venue and be like, oh, my God, you know, these mm. are the best looking women I've ever seen. And they're all sitting here and they're not actually hookers. And it's it can be quite overwhelming, I think. So there is that element of just adapting to the situation because women can smell it. Right. Women can smell yeah. it if you're nervous around a hot girl. And obviously, if we go through periods of not being surrounded by very, very good looking women, there's that element of fuck. She's smoking hot. So. Yeah, that, there will be kind of, kind of some adapting period when you get there of, fuck, the, the quality here is through the roof. I mean, mm, you're, mm. it's a very polarizing aspect because you've got like a babushka dying on a street corner in Moscow and then, you you, you know, you, you turn around, there's an absolute 10 who just walks past you. It's mm. a very, very, very interesting place to be. But yeah, again, you know, relating it back to the title of this podcast, The Fear Barrier, right? Most men would love the idea of going to Russia, would love the idea of doing some day game there. It plays into this whole kind of fantasy of going on a date with a Russian girl you know, the rain's coming down outside. She's talking about fucking her horoscopes or whatever. Um, you, you're drinking tea. You're eating some Russian food. I mean, it's, it's just a cool fucking image to have, right? And the yeah. reason guys don't do it is because, you know, lack of lack of, lack of of just taking that action, a bit of that existential fear that holds you back, being like, oh, fuck, I don't want to go on my own. It sounds scary. Well, you don't fucking have to because me and Troy are going over there, right? So you, you're able to shelter under our feathery wings. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. with us. But it's really cool just being out and about in places like that. I mean, I remember being in a 24-hour restaurant bar-type place in St. Petersburg, and they do shisha and stuff like that, and they play some quite cool music. And, um, you know, you're just there. You have something to eat. You, you've got the shisha and stuff. There's there's groups of beautiful girls around. They're play it, it's, it's, it's foreign, and yet it's not so foreign that it's unfamiliar. You know, it's it's mm. just very interesting. And and you're sitting there, and you're like, wow, I'm just – I'm in a – totally different culture here and 
there's loads of beautiful girls around. This is amazing. You know, it's it's a fantastic experience. For sure. Um, and, I, I, yeah, I remember you were right about the ratios as well, even in St. Petersburg. Like, I remember going out to a bar on a Monday evening, and it was packed just with, with single girls, bored and just wanting to meet a man. So yeah. I don't know why the ratios are so skewed, but they definitely are. And I know guys, yeah. English guys, that have actually I've caught up with former students of mine that have shown me women they're dating, and they're like, it's crazy, because when I walk into a bar with a girl, I'm the hot property because I'm an English guy, right? And and girls are literally trying to steal me off the off my girlfriend. Well, I told a story on the uh, one of our private chat groups the other day. I remember being in Moscow and I walked into uh, just a fairly cheesy bar on the main street there, and I was just on my own. My my friend had gone off; he'd gone gone back to the hotel to bed or whatever. And I just walk in and like you know, there's beats obviously beautiful girls are there and everything. I just walk onto the dance floor because I was doing, I was into that quite a lot, the the old dance floor game at that time. And very, very cute um, brunette girl, obviously slim, you know, short, short dress on, tight dress, everything like that. I mean, in, in Britain, you would say, I mean, definitely an eight, uh, probably a high eight, let's say. And I'm not just saying that as internet talk. I mean, it was, you know, this girl was like, but for my, for my type, I was like, that's bang on, you know. Anyway, I just put my hand out like that. She takes my hand. I do the old, I spin her around. We start dancing together. Couple of couple of minutes later, we're making out. Do you know what I mean? Hardly a word passed between us. And um, I, I'm not putting that down to my, like, amazing game or anything like that. I think it was perhaps somewhat the way that I approached her, the confidence or whatever, but also just because you, you are, you do stand out, you know, and you think it was really strange. The first on that trip as well, I noticed that there were girls like looking at us um, as we were going around the stations, even in the McDonald's and stuff like this. Why is that? Because, you know, obviously you think, well, we kind of look the same, but they can tell, they can see you're from somewhere else. They can see you're from a different culture. And that definitely gives you a bit of a step up. I'm not saying it takes you the whole way, but it, you definitely stand out a bit, and that's a good thing. Yeah, 100%. What would your advice be to guys? I always get asked this question. I'm not obviously the best person place to answer it because I don't speak Russian. But how would you say, realistically, thinking about value adds, how, how much, having gone to Moscow a few times, maybe you've been around guys that do speak Russian, Troy, how, how much value does it add, or, or how much do you think you lose dating-wise by not speaking Russian? Do you think there's the argument to say, well, actually, it works a good filter system because the girls that don't speak English get lost and the girls that actually want to meet an English guy stay in. Or is there an element to say, actually, maybe if you're going to be there, you know, moving forward, say a guy does come out and has a taste of Mother Russia with us and loves it, is there the argument to say that if he's going to be going back there repeatedly, he really should be looking to learn at least basic Russian? What would your thoughts be on that? Uh, well, I, I would agree with the direction you're going in there. I think if you're coming out for a, a single trip or you're going for a few trips, basically as a holiday and you want to meet, maybe meet some girls, date some girls, have some fun, but it's not going to be anything long-term or it's not, you're not going to be there for any great length of time. Then I wouldn't say that it's necessary to, to learn Russian because I certainly can't speak Russian. I've been there a few times. I've had some cool experiences there and it's been absolutely fine. But like with anything, I think if you were going to spend longer there, I would definitely start to learn it. And, like this year, as you were saying, maybe this is something that we have to think about, because if we decide, actually, maybe I do want to spend a bit more time here, I would be certainly open to to trying to learn a bit of the language, because I think, you know, without a doubt, it does, it, it is going to help you. I mean, the first time I went, and this is not years ago, this is, well, it's like 2012, so I suppose it's, it's about a decade ago now. The first time I went 
I found I was meeting quite a few girls who, who didn't actually speak English. And we were doing a lot of stuff with Google Translate and messing around and having a laugh like that. And that was kind of cool. But when I went, the, when I went back more recently, I found that actually plenty of women in the sort of demographic that we are talking about certainly speak English. You know, the younger, right. the younger population certainly speaks English. So you should be fine. But, um, but yeah, if I was, you know, and this is something I will consider this year, if I was going to spend more time there, I would definitely want to learn a bit of the language because it's only going to help you. Does that, does that cover it? I mean, I think, mm. I think for a short trip, you're fine with just English. Spending a bit longer, getting a bit more into the culture, I would definitely try to look, pick up a bit of it. Yeah, and, and I don't think we're talking about, like, fluency, right? Lush, Russian, yeah. is known, Lushen, Russian is known to be an incredibly not incredibly but it's known to be kind of a level three language which means you know you've got your spanish your portuguese as level ones so that puts it in perspective for difficulty purposes right there are it is hard to it's not hard i mean speaking to a, a guy who does languages guy called connor klein a lot he said really you're looking at two years to get i guess some sort of conversational fluency with it which seems mm -hmm. like a big investment if you're committing to 20 minutes half an hour a day um but i think there's, there's levels here and i think for using myself maybe with portuguese as an example the first three or four times i went to brazil i couldn't speak a word of portuguese um but i actually was like fuck it because i was going finding myself going back frequently i was like that's actually i might as well learn it right because there's probably yeah. opportunities here that i'm missing so yes. having spent you know five six months now learning it where i'd do a couple of a couple of hours a week on this thing called italki which is mm. a kind of a yeah you get on a zoom call with a native speaker for an hour for like 10 bucks it's nothing and practice your conversation and then kind of supplementing that every day with maybe just messing around in Duolingo for 10, 20 minutes or listening to a Portuguese pod podcast or like a TV show or not Portuguese, Brazilian. Um, yeah. My Portuguese level is, is fairly decent. I wouldn't say like I can speak it amazingly, but I can definitely understand that pretty much everyone's speaking and I can speak to a relatively decent degree. And it mm. definitely did open up more doors having kind of using my last trip to Brazil for the last three months, you know, I was there early January to kind of March, my experience was different because I was able to communicate and it does open up doors. We yeah. always talk about communication, right? 50% is actually body language. 30% mm. is voice quality, how you're saying stuff. And, and maybe 10, 15, 20% is actually the words you're using. So you can argue that you can kind of get by and communicate without actually spending, speaking the language. But I think when it gets down to nuances, like the girl really can't speak English and she's just a bit like apprehensive about meeting you because you just, you're a foreign guy. She doesn't know shit. Have that ability to just calm it down um, and, and kind of build that connection is super key. And, and the only reason I was able to do that is because I understood Brazilian Portuguese. I was also able to bond with guys a bit more. So I was mm. getting invites to like, you know, random house parties or, or shit like that, where if I hadn't maybe been able to speak the language, that wouldn't have happened, right? Because it just shows a bit of cultural curiosity, a bit of cultural understanding and yeah. a bit of like, oh, he's not a complete chump off the boat. He's actually yeah. bothered to make some like fucking effort here. So mm, I, I, yeah. I think the same with Russia. I think for us, probably going over there for a month, we're going to kind of get a taste of what it's all about. Um, and we'll probably, yeah, I'm, I'm similar to you in the sense that if I see myself repeatedly going back there with, with or without clients for the next few years, I'm going to make a concerted effort to at least get to some sort of basic conversational element to it. Because I can just imagine it like Brazilian Portuguese, what I would do, I'd go up to girls and say, Hey, wanted to say hello, and she'd be like, "No English." And then immediately, what I do is switch to Portuguese, um, give the compliment Portuguese, and ask her a question. She'd be like, "Oh my god!" Like she was like visibly like excited by that. So right. I can imagine the same thing happening in Russia, where you don't need to be a fucking boss, 
it's more like just for the first few minutes, if you mm. can just produce something, um, then it's worth doing in my mind. So I might even, you know, between now and when we go to Russia, just spend 10, 20 minutes a day on Duolingo. Just at yeah. least get some sort of like, you know, awareness, the head, you know, because it's I can't see it being a bad thing, especially those first few minutes of the conversation when we all know, even if you're speaking English, the hardest, you know, the hardest bit to get through, apart from obviously that fight or flight bit at the beginning where you might blow yourself out, you push through that and you're in the conversation with the girl. The hardest bit to get through anywhere in the world is that first 30 seconds to a minute. And if adding a few conversational strings to your bow by being able to speak or say a few phrases in Latin, in Russian is going to increase the likelihood she sticks around, I'd say it's probably almost certainly worth it, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And also as well, I mean, I think places you're interested in culturally it kind of just it's a natural evolution then isn't it to want to learn more about it want to learn more about the the, the language and, and the, the what's going on and i think for me russia would be one of those places actually you know that it would it probably i could see it being a worthy investment of time because you're just there and you just want to understand more you want to you want to be more in the culture you know so so well, and if you eventually want to do something like you've got a property in berlin right i've got yeah. a property in london if it's a place, you know, I always say to guys, if, you, if you're looking to spend time in a place where you're going to date women and spend like substantial time there, what you should end up doing is really looking for a property there. How are you going to not get ripped off if you don't speak some degree of Russian, you know, because mm. people will take advantage mm. of you and just yeah. basic stuff in life. If you're looking to spend more time in a place, you have to learn the language. So you just can avoid being taken the piss out of really. And, yeah. and the other the other thing is, if you do live in a place, you've got to speak the language because it's an embarrassment. I know people that come to London, Italians and Spanish. Um, and they, they, they spend a lot of time here. They don't speak the language. I just think, fuck it. If you're going to spend substantial time in a place, you're almost, I think it's an issue of self-respect to just understand the language. Yeah. So I, I think, I think that would be the case. I mean, I've got a mate who lives in Berlin and he's lived there for a decade and he doesn't speak German, which is quite funny. So I, just, I mean, so it just shows, I mean, if you want to go to Berlin, um, you definitely don't need uh, German. But uh, I, I feel yeah, like... Yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? Because Germany, they're, they're, they're fucking switched on and actually they're yeah. almost in English. So it's almost, yeah. you don't need it. But somewhere like Russia, somewhere like Rio, you do actually need to be able to speak the language because the, the, the majority of people aren't going to be able to speak fluent English, right? So you, you, you've yes. got to be a bit more what, proactive. Of course, one of the difficulties with Russian is the Cyrillic uh, alphabet as well. And I remember the first time I went to Moscow, I, I mean... Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I, like from memory, I don't recall seeing that many signs in English, even the Starbucks and stuff. It was written in Cyrillic and that was quite disorientating. But having been back more recently, now uh, you see a lot more signs that are, that are in English, like on the subway, on the underground, you know, the, the station names are written in English and so on. So that is quite good in a sense because it, it makes it easier for, for you know, people who's native tongue is, is is english but it was quite disorientating that first time because yeah. you do and and that would be i suppose conversational russian is is a different degree from uh doing written russian because getting your head around that cyrillic alphabet i would imagine is quite you know it's going to take a little bit of work yeah i'd almost say for guys that are wondering about you know traveling and learning languages from my experience it's better to just be conversational that is th that should be your first goal yeah. Even if it's retarded because you walk into a restaurant, you can't actually read the menu. And it sounds stupid, but you're actually better off just being able to speak to people. So that's the sounds of the words. That's more important with what we're doing, actually communicating. Because you can speak to someone, and even if you can't read the menu, you can ask them, right, what is on the menu? 
for yeah. example. So, I'd, yeah, 100%. The, the, the spoken is far, far more important. I'd say, honestly, if guys want a low, low threshold way of testing a language, it's it's very basic and it's definitely not going to solve all your problems. But get on Duolingo. Um, buy the unlimited one, which costs like six, six, six pounds a month. So you get rid of the ads and just spend five, 10 minutes a day on that. Because if you can build a habit with that, then you, you're going to kind of get a feeling for it uh, to a degree. And if you can, again, be consistent with that, then you can look to do things like, okay, maybe once a week or twice a week, I'm going to get a teacher. M lay those kind of like low threshold, low friction um, consistencies down via something like Duolingo to then with the view to like increase it. A bit like we say with the approaching, go out, do one approach a day for seven days. Once you're doing that, do two approaches a day for seven days. Once you're doing that, do three approaches a day for seven days. That's a great way of building that consistent habit than just saying to myself, right, I'm going to go out and do 30 approaches on a Saturday. It's not mm. it's not sustainable. You're not going to go from zero to doing that. Same with Russian. Don't get a fucking, you know, hire a guy for five, five Zoom calls over five days. You're going to get burnt out immediately. Start with very low threshold, low yeah. friction, and then build it up from there. Mm, mm. I've got a friend yeah. actually who's learning learning Polish, and he does right. like three minutes a day on Duolingo, and wow. he's done that for eight months, and he's pretty good at Polish. But it's only three minutes a day. He's really understands the language now, and it's a fucking hard language. It's harder than Russian. But that was his threshold. Wow. He was like, "All I'm going to do, a bit like the two minute rule, it's just three minutes a day. That's it. I'm just going to keep that going every fucking day." And lo and behold, although it's such a small amount, he's actually fucking good at Polish now just from that. So that's amazing. That's amazing. Consistency over time. Well, yeah, that's amazing. And uh, it does play into this this wider thing about developing habits. And like you say, just doing a little bit every day. Is, Better to is, do a little is, bit every day of something than to do uh, a shitload once a week. I always say it's guys because like, I used to be about very much the Tom Terrero style of go out, do your do your 10 approaches three times a week. But now I'm like, you know, the analogy I use, it's slightly different, but guys are like, oh, yeah, I, I like to go out and do a big session of 20 approaches on, the, on, a, on a weekend. I'm like, what, what's going to who's going to be in better shape? The guy that goes to the gym once a week for four hours or the guy that shows up and does 80 percent of his ability, 45 minutes every fucking day. Right. So mm. no brainer. Same with approaching. I think if you're going out two, two to three approaches every fucking day out of state and then you go out maybe on a Friday evening, 60 to 90 minutes aim for five to eight approaches or and or Saturday. That's it. That's all you need to do because we are the sum of our habits. We can't be good at shit we don't do frequently. So the same with this. Find something like find the lowest threshold thing with whatever it is and just do it a lot, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's what I think. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. Welcome well, to Toby. This is a, a good lad. He's actually started helping me and Les out. Uh, he spent a lot of time with us in Mexico. Uh, met him through Sam, fluid social in Brazil. He basically mm. saw Sam's content on YouTube and just was like, I'm coming to live with you. Sam was cool, like, man. okay. Yeah, because Sam's like a fucking hippie. He was like, yeah, I'll roll up your magic carpets for you. And Sam was like, okay, I need a magic carpet roller for my hippie vibes. So Toby comes in and um, and then he came to, he was interested in starting to do some work with me and Les. So he spent some time with us in Mexico. He's helping with the kind of the, the, the LinkedIn stuff and the sales stuff, but he's going to be running programs for us in Barcelona. So if anyone wants to, if anyone's interested in training in Barcelona this year, great city, very cosmopolitan, lots of fucking mm. hot girls from all over. Get in touch with me and I'll put you in touch with Toby. He's going to run a boot camp in July. So that's Toby's plug. Sorry, Troy, have you frozen in time or are you just... No, no, I just froze in real life. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, but what he's saying there, that's that's quite encouraging, actually. The alphabet's quite close to ours. It takes a few hours to learn it. Um, that is, that's quite encouraging. But is he talking about German? Because he's actually... He's, no, uh... no, he's talking about... I think he's talking about Russian. 
Two World Wars and one World Cup. Da -da, da -da. He's talking about Russian Azurka. I think so. I think so. Well, if that's the case, um, because actually, when you look at Cyrillic, some of the some of the characters do look similar to Roman characters, which is what we use. So that if that's true, that's encouraging. I'm um, I feel better about it now. We did actually have a question, a paid question from Juliet. How should you do? If you do semi-slipping into a relationship and you still want to day game, how do you tell a girl that after sex times three? So I think what he's saying is basically, do I be a weasel? Am I should I be the weasel and just pretend I'm in a relationship and then be secretly day gaming behind her back? Or how do I balance it so I'm kind of seeing her, but I'm you know, she knows I'm non-exclusive or something along those lines. I mean, mm. what would be your thoughts on that? I mean, my my obvious thoughts would be just own it. Always try and own it. We actually dig ourselves into 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 holes and tight spaces by trying to do the sly stuff don't we whereas yes. actually if we're above board with things it's often a lot easier yeah absolutely i can only co-sign that really i mean this is a this is a, a difficulty that i've uh encountered many times you know but but ultimately the only way really is just to own it you you kind of have to i think in the end uh when you're when you're slipping your semi in um you need to just uh you need to just be up front and just say look this is where i'm at at the moment um you know, um, and it's kind of take it or leave it. I mean, not in a harsh way, but it is it's sort of like, look, this is how my life is at the moment. This is how I want to arrange things. You can be a part of that. If you don't want to be a part of that, that that's cool. That's that's absolutely fine. Um, but and I think I've made the mistake many times of, of not doing that and being uh, being a bit more weaselly and you get into trouble. But also, I think that you'd be surprised that more girls would be amenable, actually, to, you know, to, to, to you being non-exclusive and whatever than than you would necessarily think up front. Yeah, I think yeah, I I, I can only I can only echo those thoughts. But I think your best bet is is what should you do if you're suddenly sort of into a relationship. Yeah, I mean have that maybe, you know, what's gonna happen is if you start a dating girl after after six weeks, two months, three months, she's gonna probably come to you with something like, what are we? Something along those lines. Yes. And then if you kind of like, if Juliet, if you if you do want to be single, but keep saying it, just be honest about it and just say, look, you know, I think you're cool. I, I really like spending time with you, but I'm, I'm happy being single at the moment, you know, and, mm. and that will probably buy you some more time yeah. another couple of months. But at some stage, yeah, you're going to have to just be upfront and honest. And it, look, if you're starting off this journey with day game and dating, I always say to guys, for the first two years, you really shouldn't be getting into relationships because you've got to go out there, you've got to get stuck in, you've got to learn to approach in, in different scenarios, you've got to learn to travel. You don't have to learn to travel, but some of the most fun experiences you're going to have <laughs> when you're learning to travel. Um, obviously, dating on your own terms, um, learning to date non-exclusively, all this stuff is, is, a, is something you learn by doing. You can't theorize your way through it. And lo and behold, the mistake I see lots of guys make is they come in, um, they haven't quite solved that kind of neediness for themselves. Mm. They're desperate for fun, validation elsewhere. And what happens is they start this journey but then they meet a girl very early on and they're like, they immediately jump into an exclusive relationship with her. And yeah. then lo and behold, that goes Pete Tong two years later because they haven't actually learned anything. And then yeah. they're back to square one. They're back in the same position, but two years down the line, right? Two yeah. years less time to actually learn it, right? So I think that's something mm. to bear in mind is you don't, not hard and fast rule, you have to be single for two years. But I would advise if you want to get com com you know very competent with this stuff and experience life and have lots of different cool scenarios, probably don't look to get into anything substantial for the first two years of learning cold mm, approach mm. And, and dating because you need to go through the process of learning yes absolutely 
Cool. Um, we've been ranting and raving for an hour and seven minutes. Just to recap, guys, myself and Mr. Francis will be um, running boot camps in Australia. Uh, in Australia, I'm just looking <laughs> not, at the not Australia. Australia, John. In Russia in July, Moscow, Sochi, and St. Petersburg are the obvious choices, but we will be kind of ducking and diving between other spots as well. So guys are welcome to join for a few days if, the, if those the, the, the Moscow and the, the, the other city dates don't fit your agenda. But the best way to find out about all this stuff, get in touch with the, either myself or Mr. Francis. Uh, we'll put the email addresses below for both of us. Just send us an email, include your WhatsApp number. We'll jump on a call with you. We'll, we'll figure out where you're at with this stuff, uh, what you need to overcome and, and where you want to go. And we'll tell you if, if actually joining us in Moscow would help solve that problem um you know depending on, on on what it is um any final thoughts about the topic itself today mr francis about the fear barrier uh feel the fear and do it anyway i think is it's a cliche it's become a cliche title but the reason it's become a cliche is because it's so it's so good it's so resonant it's a brilliant title for a book and it kind of encapsulates the whole book in that one title but if there's one thing i wish i'd learned earlier it's just this idea that your feelings are not reality. And just because you feel a certain way, just because you feel shy, or just because you feel afraid to approach, or just because you feel afraid to do something in your life, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. You can act independently of those feelings. And once you get that into your head and you start acting on that, you, you then start to increase your comfort zone. Because when you've felt the fear and done it anyway once, like maybe you've chatted up the barista or the waitress in the in the coffee shop where you are and you realize the sky didn't fall in and actually she she smiled and she laughed and she you know maybe you got her phone number or something then you're going to do it again your comfort zone increases and then you find less things fearful as you go on so take action unless don't do anything obviously dangerous or anything that's you know the etc etc the usual disclaimers but in general take action based on what you want to achieve rather than the way that you feel about it in the moment. And you will start to get better experiences and better results. Such such a key point you make there, which is your fears are not reality. It's it's like you feel a certain way about something that's just your perspective, that's your lens on the world. That's not reality, is it? No, and, and absolutely. Such a, such a big, big point to make that, that, pe that it's very easy to forget because we, we feel a certain way about something and we're like, we don't really even think about it. We're like, oh, that's what that is. Um, yes. I can't do that because that's associated with that feeling, but it's absolute nonsense. And, 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 and learning to just disassociate yourself from how you feel is, yeah. is a key thing, isn't well, it? Most, yeah. Most of the, the fears that you have are, are in your head. You, they're self-created. They're not, they're not reality. They're not object, objective reality. They're something that you've made up. And if you can step away from that, then you find that uh, life opens up. Very, very good point. Um, we've got a quote here about fear. Fear is the part of the dark side. Fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. There we go. So fear mm. is the part of the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I stopped that fucking train before it even hits the tracks. And that was said by Yoda. There you go. There's your great, great philosopher. We've got a very kind donation from Australia. John, thanks, James and Troy, for all the great value over the years. It's very nice of you. 50 Aussie bucks. What's that translate to in today's money? About 20 quid? Hmm. I think so. Yeah. Let's have a look. Fifty Aussie dollars to G in pounds. Twenty-seven pounds forty-five. The Aussie dollar is strong. The pound is weak. Um, I'll translate that into um, I don't know a giant shisha pipe for you, Mister Francis. Um, look forward to it. Yeah. Um, do, do you like cigars? 
I've always, it's, it's one of these weird ones where I've always tried, I love the idea of cigars. I've desperately over the years tried to force myself to like smoking cigars, but mm. it's, it's, it's a painful process. I don't really like them, but mm. I feel like I should be because I've got this romantic image of me sitting in Cuba, you know, in a white yeah. suit with a mojito cigar, like just, you know, a couple yeah. of with my arm. And I, I, I love this, I'm in love with the image, but every time I yeah. smoke cigars, I'm like, for fuck's sake, <laughs> like, yeah, pretend it's there and like, but I love yeah. the idea of it. I, I mm. want to. I've fallen in love with the idea of it. Are you a cigar fan? Well, I've smoked them a couple of times recently with a friend of mine. Actually, there's a quite a cool cigar lounge in uh, uh, high, near High Park. Uh, quite quite a fancy like cigar lounge, and I smoked cigars a couple of times there. And um, I sort of I, I I do quite like it because I like the image of it. You know, um, bit of a love hate relationship because I used to smoke cigarettes. I don't anymore, and sort of brings that back a little bit. But no, I do. I quite like it, and I quite like the vibe of it. You know, so. Uh, Interesting question, actually, for, for, you know, feel free to, to not answer if it's too personal, but how long have you been kind of officially sober from everything? Uh, drink, drugs, and all that? A uh, long time, about uh, about 18 years or so, which, really? is a long, which is a long time, but I, I, you know, I'm getting on a bit now anyway, so, uh, so it's, uh, yeah, so maybe I, sometimes people say I look a bit younger than I actually am, um, but it's, it's been a, it's been a, a good long time. And have you ever, have you ever kind of had a not a relapse per se, but have ever been like, fuck it, I'll just have one for the road? Well, you get close to that sometimes, uh, but I haven't stepped over the Rubicon because the problem is that once you do, then it's very easy to just get dragged back into it. You know, um, it's like anything. You know, it's like I can not eat chocolate for six months, and then suddenly you have a piece of chocolate, and then you just want to eat the whole bar, don't you? So, yeah, I can completely, uh, yeah agree with that sentiment on that mm. note um yeah email us guys anything you want to know about russia we will be there in july me and mr francis will be starting our three minutes a day of russian <laughs> and we'll be able to say all of one word once we arrive Privia. yes that's yes. oh, we can already say three words between us mm. that's good we're already on the right path but no it's going to be a blast i'm super excited because i've also got this this miniature little dji dji camera now this kind of pocket camera where you can just film super discreetly, but even just be vlogging. And, you know, we, we're walking the street and, and people are getting involved with that. So I think there's going to be some really, really cool footage to us charging around places like Moscow, St. Petersburg, Sochi, maybe even Siberia, maybe some of the stands. And that's going to be um, very interesting content for guys to watch. So I'm, I'm super excited. I'm going to make a pat myself to be filming every single day I'm out there. Mm -hmm. um, and we should be able to get in the rhythm with that. And, and I'll teach you how to use the camera. It'll be super easy. Yeah. Take, take yeah. 10 minutes to do but yeah that should be that should be good so lots of interesting content coming up for guys and obviously this weekend we're running a boot camp in london um you're here until late june are you in, in london itself yeah thereabouts i mean i'm in and out a little bit because i've got to then go back over to berlin again to sort something out there and then i'll be back here so so yeah but i think here and based here until the end of june for sure yeah same with me i might be in tbilisi end of june before i head over to russia but i'm pretty much here me and Fra mr francis are available for coaching so if guys want to get in touch you want to go out you want to do some day game london now is, is almost fully open so brilliant yeah. time to come into the city get in touch with us we are available for coaching not this weekend that's at full capacity but after that uh and we're happy to take guys out and, and get you stuck in so get in touch the email addresses will be below Nothing else to say other than we've, as usual, strayed completely off what we were going to be talking about. We did about 10 minutes of uh, talking about fear and then 90 minutes of, or 50 minutes of talking about Russian. But who cares? It was fun anyway. Absolutely. Good cool. stuff. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for the donations and, and tuning in again soon. We'll, we'll see you soon.